A man become preeminent, he is expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Pull Hitter Podcast. I'm Rob DiPietro, the Dead Pull Hitter. Today, we're getting into a great episode with Andrew Geller, who's also known as The Guild on Twitter, at the underscore guild, G-I-L-D-Z. Andrew has been a fantastic player on NFBC format for years now. Last year, he had one of the best years um, around. He was extremely successful in the main event, auction, uh, main event, and online championship so I wanted to sit down and talk to him about the, the things that went well for him and what he wants to do to continue to uh, being successful in the NFBC so uh, we had a great conversation um, we talked about the normal things I like to attack on the show how are you evaluating players how are you ranking players what are the tools that we are using to make these lists to make these rankings how are we attacking drafts? Um, how are we doing fab? Um, so all these wonderful things that we will get into on the episode for sure. And I think you'll find a lot of things that can be actionable going forward. Um, once again, i say this for uh, Baseball HQ. The Baseball Forecaster will be out in PDF form next week. So if you have not ordered it yet, go to BaseballHQ.com. You can get it. You'll get it for, you get the PDF form by Thanksgiving, and then you'll get the book in December, which is a huge part of my prep every year. I think it should be part of most people's prep every season. Um, it's just a fantastic book to really up your analytic game. Um, so if it's something you've never done before, if you've never read it before, I highly suggest it. Um, it could definitely help you going forward. And just to establish different ways that we like to um, evaluate player performance and um, roster construction as well. So, yeah. Um, with that being said, um, let's get into this episode with Andrew. Alrighty, folks. Welcome back to another episode of the Pull Hitter Podcast. I'm Rob D, the Dead Pull Hitter. My special guest today is Mr. Andrew Geller, also known as Doug Guild. Hashtag One Time. What's up, Andrew? Thanks for joining me today, man. Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I know everyone probably knows you more on Twitter as the Guild. Um, and as I heard you say on 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 Zach Waxman Draft Champion podcast, that your Twitter personality is just your Twitter personality, right? <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's like I said, it's all shtick, man. I have fun with it. Yeah, um, of course. But yeah, it's it's just for fun. I know uh, I, some people take it like to I heart, told right? Zach, I'm an acquired taste for some, so it, it is what it is. I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? 
Oh, 100%. Listen, you got to be yourself and that's it. You know, anyone, um, I feel like to uh, anyone who gets judged off of uh, a tweet or something is it, just overblown anyway. You don't really know the true person until you sit down and talk to them and, uh, you know, get the real, that, that real person inside. But um, I'm glad you could join me today. Um, I know you're a busy guy, but uh, I wanted to sit down and, and, and talk NFBC. Um, as you know, my podcast, I like to gear toward um, the folks who are having success on that platform. And um, last year you had a bunch of it. So um, I just wanted to know how you got into, I guess, fantasy baseball in general. And then, you know, how did you make your way into the NFBC world? Yeah, so I, I would, I did the whole uh, fantasy points leagues. I was doing the CBS sports line with friends, buddies for years. Um, and it was one of those things where, you know, we just had like a keeper league or, you know, just go year to year. The same guys were in it. Uh, very basic. But um, I came across the NFBC in 2014. I never played Roto before. So I, I saw that and I really had no idea what I was doing, but it just fascinated me, the whole um, rotisserie format versus the points, because, you know, the points leagues are so basic and what, right. what, you're, what you're doing. Just the whole idea of balancing a roster from, you know, pitching categories and the hitting categories and just making that puzzle and, and figuring out how to, how to manage that throughout the year, which is a completely different animal. And like right away, I just became like hooked on it and, that's essentially my first year of playing. It was 2014. Uh, I think I had one league, uh, one OC I did that year. And then that kind of turned into to two or three decks and kind of been rolling it over ever since. <clears throat> That's awesome, man. Yeah, it, it is. It is, um, you know, points league, you know, obviously there's some strategy and maybe some roster construction, but basically you're looking at how many points you expect a guy to get over the replacement level. And that's pretty much it. Right. I mean, you just, you're trying to amass points, but yeah, like you said, the Roto, you know, I remember my first Roto league too. I was, I was immediately hooked. Um, I, there was a, like a second half um, improvement award for, for points. So um, whoever gained the most points in the second half, and I was in like 11th place out of 15 teams. And I went, you know, I had like plus 11 in the second half and I got my money back. That was the, that was a payout. But I just I remember like really focusing on different categories and being able to move up. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is fascinating. You know, it's, it's like you said, it's such a whole new level of strategy and like, uh, and gameplay. So it's awesome. Yeah. And too, with the points league. So we, we did the, I don't know if you ever played CBS where you had the, you know, you had the starters, you'd have multiple starts per week, right? You get points for wins and innings and all that. Mm -hmm. So it's essentially a matter of who could max out their starts every week, right? And get right. the most points on the pitching. And I was always the guy looking for the two starters. And right. uh, there's guilds with 14 starts in a week, you know what I mean? <laughs> yep. So then we had to create all these rules where we had to limit the starts per team. And it just became too much of a headache. And I'm like, you know what? Let's see what else is out there. So right. And I remember the first the first point league I played, the the rule like the point system was so was so skewed to like um pitching, you know. And I remember like bringing up uh you know previous year points and like you know, like Matt Bush was like the same as like Albert Pujols. And I'm like, wait a minute, these guys aren't like the same player. There's no right, way yeah. this pitcher should be amassing the same amount of points as this batter. So, um, but yeah, it's, um, it's definitely uh, a big difference. Um, but like you said, yeah, once you get the people piling up starts and 
and that yeah you just gotta like there's rules and then it, it's too much i love the roto now i still have a head-to-head category league that's my home league you know and that's fun because it's my friends and my family that we've been playing in a long time and it's, it's good to have one different league and especially it's like a keeper league but right now it's like uh, all roto you know pretty much all the time but um yeah so i was saying you you had an unbelievable season. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but you had 18 leagues last year on the NFBC and you placed in the top three and 14 of those with eight first place finishes, um, including two in the main and four OC first place finishes. Um, pretty damn impressive, Andrew. You came in the uh, in the overall too. You were um, right there, I think ninth in the main event and fourth in the OC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... Uh... I had one 30th, uh, 31st in the main, I think, and yep. then a couple others too in, in the top 50 in the OC. So, yeah, it was, it was a big year. <laughs> yeah, that's that's awesome, man. You know, like uh, it, like I said, you know, the uh, the idea of this podcast was born like basically um, I wasn't geared on doing NFBC only, but um, I won the overall draft champions and I was like, let me leverage this into, you know, at least because all of a sudden now everyone, like I was talking to people that I just met and, you know, it was interesting getting into it. And then I was hooked. I was like, all right, this NFBC world is is awesome. And everyone was really, really cool in it. And then um, like, all right, let me uh, talk to other, you know, players that are doing so well in this format and try to to develop, uh, I guess, a way for everyone to see like an insight onto how, um, you know, we all play the game like with roster construction and all that. Um, but yes, you know, fantastic season, man. I just uh, I got to hand it to you because it's just, uh, you know, I know it's a humbling sport, you know, that we play here. But, you know, when yeah. you see when you see, you know, the utmost, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. It's just awesome, bro. Awesome year. And um, I hope you can continue success going forward. Yeah, I appreciate that, Rob. And I had a joke with uh, Phil, I think it was, where um which is funny i was the phil and he was a tiger essentially right this, <laughs> yeah 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 if yeah. Phil wasn't around i, I would have been the guy i well not the guy but one of the the main the bigger winners there but yeah no nah, phil's a great guy i was happy to see that all right. that success yeah hundred <laughs> percent. yeah so you brought up phil do so our robot friend um he he you know, arguably had, uh, well, some people are arguing that, um, that he had the, you know, one of the best seasons in fantasy. I think that there's no other like it. Um, and I know you were, you know, getting into some Twitter, uh, <laughs> words with people who were trying to defend that, you know, that it wasn't one of the best, yeah. you know, that wasn't the clear out best, you know? And, uh, I just thought that yeah. was funny because it, there's no comparison. Yeah. Let's clear that up. There's, <clears throat> there's not even a league that come or a league a year that comes close to what Phil did. And that's why I know Greg, when he was tweeting that, you know, he was trying to say it was one of the best seasons. I'm like, one of, I mean, this is, it's historic. There's nothing even close. Um, And I know, you know, he has, he doesn't want to ruffle any feathers. He has got players that, you know, they, they promote a lot and stuff. I'm sure that was part of it. Right. But uh, if you're going to be realistic about it, I mean, it was an insane, we're never going to see anything like that again. Right. Um, it was, I, you know, I've been doing this a long time, you know, even before uh, the NFPC, I've never seen anyone have any kind of success like that at all. Right. Across um, all different formats. Across and, all. Yeah. yeah it, it's, it's hard to fathom his, his year. It really is. So yeah. when I saw that, I'm like one of, I'm like, just give the guy the proper due. I mean, this is, this is by far and away the best year. Right. You know, back when, when Lindy, you know, the, the Lindy year or whatever, 
I think the the OC have like 600 teams in it, maybe. Right. And then and the, main was, the right? main was like three or 400. I mean, it's not, it's apples and oranges. It's like, right. Yeah. So it's about 200 <laughs> more, 250 more in the main and about 2,200 more in the OC. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, it's just, yeah. it's incredible. Yeah, it was yeah. incredible. But like you said, man, you you know, if uh if it wasn't all Phil, you you'd be right, you know, you're right there. You had a great year. So I wanted to, you know, just just talk about, you know, if you can give us, you know, maybe to any insight about like, you know, how I wonder how like you prepare for a draft, you know, how do you rank your players? Is it like a statistic based, you know, like metrics based? Is it a projection based? How do you formulate any type of rankings for the players that you're gonna draft? Yeah, so, you know, I do a lot of research and everyone else does. I use projections um, a lot in my research. Um, and I'm looking at, you know, I try to value or look at ADP just as, as, a, as a guide. I don't really use it in terms of my own drafting, but I kind of use it to, to gain a sense of where everyone else is perceiving value in the draft. And then I try to find, okay, the, you know, the rest of the, the, the league or, or the owners are valuing this guy here. And I actually have him valued lower or higher. And, and I'm just trying to spot those uh, differences in value. And that's kind of where I try to attack the guys that I like that might be perceived um, lower valued and vice versa. So uh, I think a lot of it is to just knowing when to uh, attack those certain players that you target. Right. Um, I know a lot of people just look, look at kind of when they're drafting, I, I need steals. Let me pick a guy with speed. Um, whereas I think there's kind of an edge and being able to wait in certain areas if you know the room well mm-hmm. and you could draft for other needs and then still get the guy you want at a later price. So I'm, kind, I'm right. always trying to find those small edges in a draft room if I can. And it's worked for the most part. So, right. And, 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 and that comes too with like knowing that player pool, like you said, knowing where those pockets are and, and knowing like instantly, instead of just being lured into, I need a steel guy um, to know, like there's a comparable guy, even if that guy gets taken as a comparable guy, a couple rounds later, and just being able to, to know that ahead of time, instead of like, you know, just finds the draft uh, blinded and, and, and not knowing those things. Yeah. And I think too, a lot of people when, when they're, <clears throat> they're trying to fill their, lineup so if they need like uh you know a third baseman or something like oh i have to take this is you know one of the last ones here let me take this third baseman whereas you know if i see a guy that you know a strong value pick might be an extra outfielder i don't really need an outfielder at a point but i'll take a chance and i'll take that guy and then hope to fill a need later on but you know i'm not just gonna fill a need to fill a need essentially right um, right great point yeah and i noticed that's a lot of people a lot of drafters kind of just kind of like they're, they have tunnel vision where all right, I need this position. I need to fill this. Okay. I'll take him. Even though that player might not be worth that pick at all. Absolutely. Great point. And even so like too, when um, I feel, and I've talked to uh, people who have, who have said that in that, you know, like if you're doing a main event draft or um, OC, like in that first 23 picks, a lot of people feel the need to even fill out their whole team, their whole yeah. starting team uh-huh. per se. When, like you said, you know, you can, you're maybe bypassing better players just to fill that one spot sure. that you need. Or I need my ninth pitcher. Or I need my fifth outfield. Yep. Yeah. Or I need that other middle infielder where, where you can maybe be, you know, take bench, bench bat or bench pitcher that's a, a better pick at the time. Yeah. And I think too, also, <clears throat> you have to be conscious of, the draft room, like where your position is too in the draft where I noticed. So if I'm, I'm on the corner <clears> of <throat> one end or another, 
I'm always conscious of what the teams behind me need <clears throat> or what they don't need. And I'll let that help dictate where I go for that pick. You know, if I, if they need, if they have a need, um, you know, I'm, I might take the guy in front of them or, you know, if they don't have a need, I'll, you know, I'll wait for the guy on, on the back on a turn. Um, just being aware of the room and, and, and the teams around you. That's another thing where I think, you know, teams aren't as focused. They're more focused on what they need and, and not really focused as much on the teams around them and what they need as well. So you kind of right. have to read the room if you can. Keeping that roster grid tab. I know everyone likes to like lock into the draft board tab, but yeah. uh, the roster grid one is just as important. Like you said, you, if, if you're coming, like if you're, you know, if it's your pick and you see the guy, a guy ahead of you has two catches already, and maybe you need one, maybe you know, all right, well, I could take this outfielder here that I like because I know that catcher exactly, I like yeah. probably will, like will come back around for you, and that's yeah. and that's really big. It's just like like I always have that roster grid tab right next to the draft board tab, like you know, because there it's just go. as yeah. important. You know, it's it it really is for sure. Um, during the draft, as it's going along, do you use like a software to like, you know, keep track of your team and your, and your team stat totals, or you're just drafting and it is what it is? No, I, I have the whole Excel set up, um, mm-hmm. tracking, um, with projections. Um, so as I go along, I have a sense of what I need, uh, what I need to catch up. And, um, and what I do actually is I take <clears throat> the previous winners, um, finishes in each category. And I'll use that as a barometer to track against for my own individual projections. Nice. So as I'm drafting, obviously you're not going to come that close to the winner of whatever, because they put up an insane year, but just to get a sense of what you really need to catch up on, you know, if you're way off in RBIs or homers, you can kind of get that visual as you're moving along in draft. Um, So I have a a spreadsheet that I track every year and I update it with every last year's winners with their category totals. So it just helps me. It just helps me throughout the draft having a better sense of, you know, what I need and and, and where I need to catch up on. Absolutely. That makes total sense. Uh, Do you um, like, uh, like maybe try to make a mental or an an actual adjustment to like uh, the, let's just say the new environment, like if baseball says, all right, this is the new baseball per se, and, and this might be more bouncier or it might be more of a dead ball. That's something that you try to anticipate. Uh, not so much. Uh, just cause I think every player will be affected by it. So it's kind of a relative change mm-hmm. almost. Right. Um, the uh, sticky ball stuff. I remember that's with, uh, with Cole. I know that that kind of, shifted my my focus a little bit uh, on Garrett Cole there which it turned out to be I mean I guess it did factor in a little bit uh, if but I remember that did uh, his draft price was a little affected by that I remember early on Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah I mean for the most part I don't let that kind of stuff influence my perception of who to take and and who not to right I agree because I don't think um you know uh I'm not smart enough to put an actual number on how it's going to affect everybody. So right, I, yeah. I, yeah, you can't, it's just, it's just like noise, you know, it's noise you can't control. And so stick to your guns and like, you know, how you normally approach a draft because too much is, you know, you can't take on too much. You know? No, right. no. Yeah. I mean, there's just, just, there's so many factors in baseball. It's like trying to, yeah. Try to take in all that other noise. It's just too much. It's too much to factor in, you know? Right. Absolutely. <laughs> hundred percent. You don't know agree. who's on what, who's not on what. It's like, you know, <laughs> just focus on the stuff you, you can control, which is pretty much nothing, but 
Um, when you start adding in all these additional factors, it just, again, too much to consider. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I agree. You can't put a number on it. So just, just let it fall in somehow. Um, so you mentioned ADP, you know, obviously how, you know, use it to assess where you want to take your guys and all. Um, do you find yourself like being super aggressive to it? Or do you try to get like as close as you can to where you want to take a guy? Like maybe if you, if this guy is uh, 30 spots ahead in your rankings of where he's going, are you going to be super aggressive or are you going to try to get as close to that ADP as possible? Uh, I mean, if it's a huge gap like that, I mean, I wouldn't jump him too much. I don't mm-hmm. think, but like, Vlad was a perfect example for me last year and probably get to that, but he was, you know, he pretty much was one of my main cogs in my, in my, you know, success last year. But um, I was always jumping him a little bit, you know, before maybe a round or so before ADP. Um, But I thought, you know, he could, you know, provide first round value. He was going in round four, round five, even in some OCs. So to me, even taking him around three and four, I mean, that presented a lot of value there. Um, right. So that was just one guy I thought was mispriced um, throughout all draft season and even into the mains. Um, he started, you know, he was definitely pricier to come mains, main season, but even then, you know, he was going, uh, what, third, end of the third round. I mean, yeah. it was still a decent price, I thought, there. And, Right. I'm sure we'll get into that more in, yeah. in the main talk. <laughs> yep. yep, absolutely. Um, what about uh, the KDS, the Kentucky Derby style uh, picking of where you like to draft? Is that something that you put some effort into or is it just one, one through 15 like I heard a lot of people say? <laughs> no, yes, I, I think I, I definitely use it. Um, I would say more it's in the main. It's more of a factor to me um, just because you can you try to map out your first few rounds and then it's a huge deal, you know, if you're picking in the top, you know, the top few, you know, versus the end of the end of the round. So um, I think it's usually wherever I want to go. If it's starting pitching early, you know, I'll probably put my KDS middle to the end of the round in a 15 teamer. Um, this way, you know, you're guaranteed one of those, you know, horses in the first. And maybe if you want another one in a second or go back in a second, it just opens up a little more flexibility for you uh, in that sense. Whereas the 12 teamers, you know, it's, it's such a different animal. You know, you could pretty much go anywhere in a KDS. You're going to get a stud pitcher 12. Um, you can get a decent pitcher on the way back at the end of the second as well. So and it's just completely different animal there. Yeah. I really like the way they do that though. Uh, gives you the ability. I remember it took me a while to understand uh, what it was when I first got into NPC. I'm like, what the hell is Kentucky Derby style? Uh, but it's interesting. You know, like you said, you could really set yourself up for success. You know, obviously someone can jump in and affect your plan, but um, you can get into that range where you really feel is ideal for you. hundred percent. And that actually last year in, my, in one of my mains, the first one, uh, I put the KDS at three because I was just dead set on going either Cole or DeGrom and figured Acuna is going to go right in the top two. Um, but then all the sticky stuff came out. Right. So then right. I'm like, I ended up getting the first preference. So what I should have done, I want to Jake DeGrom first. So I tried to, you know, be a little greedy. And so I got the third pick and then Jake went first, of course, Acuna. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, you know, I was off call at that point. I took Tatis, which was fine. You know, obviously that's, that was a huge boon right there, but right. it's just funny that, you know, you try to get greedy, you get the pick, you, you would have had the first pick and you just tried to save two spots in the draft order. 
just to get your guy <laughs> at a later at a later price, two picks only, which is uh yeah. I mean, that's not something you should play around with. Just get your guy, especially yeah. if it's such a minimal difference in pick. <laughs> right. Right. No, it makes that makes total sense. Absolutely. Um Talk to me a little bit about Fab um, during the season. Are you like a super aggressive um, person when it comes to getting your guy? Is there like a certain amount you allot yourself per week? Is there, is there an amount you're trying to save for the end of the uh, year? I know obviously this is all team contextual, obviously if your team has a need, but in general, are you, um, mm-hmm. I guess, an aggressive Fabber? Super aggressive, yeah. I'm willing mm, nice. to. <laughs> this is good to hear. I love um, it, yeah. Yeah, the one guy I mentioned on Zach's uh, podcast was Julian Merriweather. So I spent, I think it was 400 plus on him mm-hmm. in two of the mains. Uh, just because it looked like he had the role. Everything was lining up there. It looked like the manager wanted to use him in that spot. Um, his stuff is electric, right? Mm-hmm. So I ended up paying 420, 430. You know, this was early on. This was what, second, third week of the year, maybe? Yeah. Uh, so I'll never forget. I started him the, the one week. Uh, I think he threw to one batter, got an out, and then he got hurt on the next batter. Yeah. <laughs> so essentially, I, I paid four hundred something in, in Fab for one out. <laughs> but uh, that's the stuff. I don't mind, you know, taking those swings. You're gonna miss sometimes, but sometimes, you know, I'll go out there and save forty games, elite ratios, and you look like a genius. Mm-hmm. sometimes oh, you look point. like an idiot <laughs> yeah yeah no that's 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 definitely that's definitely gonna happen like you said um all the pieces were there to 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 you know think that this guy could be amazing going forward on a team that's gonna win a lot of games as well um and yeah just you know one little injury that curtailed everything but like you said it, uh it, that's that's just a, a fraction away from from looking like yeah that was well worth it you know 100 percent um do, and you're do still you, able you're still able to to win these leagues people think if you miss out on a guy you spend that much you're still able to compete you know you just got to be a little more wise with your your spending after that but you know i mean it's, it's not a death knell by any stretch Right. And, and, and did you, were those both in the league that you came in first in your mains? That yeah, you yeah, they were. Yep. So look at so that. There you yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the end of the world, right? Like no. you said, you got to be a little, maybe a little more frugal after that, put the rest of your bid, but um, it, it's, it, it's not an end all for the season. Absolutely That's, not. Yeah. And those were mains too. So. It's good to hear that, you know, because I, I think that a lot of people think that's immediately the end of, you know, obviously uh, you, you, you did a lot of other things, right. A hundred percent, but um, it's, it's, it's not the end of the world. If you miss on that, that's, that's good. That's and, a lot yeah. of and even one, uh, in one of the OCs that did really well, I spent, it was early on, on Austin Riley. I put in like two twenty, two thirty, something like that. And a runner up was like $34. I'm like, oh, so <laughs> But it turned out, you know, it's one of those things that if you want, if you if, if you want a guy, I feel like just go out and get him. To me, I'm not worried about overspending, you know, a hundred, even $150, whatever. It's fab. You know, 80% of the guys you spend on probably don't gonna do anything for you anyway at the end of the year. So mm-hmm. why not take that chance? And that that one actually, yeah, that was a huge, huge boon to my team there. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. That, that doesn't matter. The extra hundred bucks, 180 bucks. I, like you said, I was looking, I was just looking at, you know, my fab past over the year and I was just like, Jesus Christ, you know, like you said, like, 
80% of the guys really aren't doing anything for you. You're getting men for the weekend and you're like, they do nothing. You thought they were going to have a great Friday through Sunday and they were 0 for 15. It's just like, oh, uh, you know, but yeah, I, I, look through, I look through the list and it's like, there's a couple of impact, you know, fab hiccups, but it's mostly just filler. Yeah. And a lot of times they hurt you more than they help you too. So <laughs> it's just like, yeah. you know, it is, I, I know owners are so concerned with, with that, that fab, with their wallets. I mean, as long as you don't go insane and you have like $50 in, in June and you can manage, you know what I mean? You just got to be smart about it. That's all. Right. And a lot Absolutely. of times, you know, once owners start falling out, you know, July, you're getting guys, impact guys, or just productive guys for eight, $9 a move, sometimes less, you know, you have to consider that as well. It's like the competition dwindles as the season goes along. So Right. That's a great point. That's something too, that I, that I learned through listening to other pods and, 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 and listening to other players in the NFC that, um, you know, this, there comes a point where, you know, it's not like uh, other players will stop playing completely, but the, the fab uh, aspect of it gets a little less intense and you can sneak in a whole bunch more players as the season goes along. For sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And closers too. I mean, you're right you get closers for pennies on a dollar in July, August. Right. So I went from like 12th to second in my main in, in, in save <laughs> just, just by to like uh in my second main event, I just, I was ahead by like 120 K's and I just, uh, there was a point where I just went to seven relievers, you know, who was either backup guys too, just guys who may get a shot guys like Steckenrider Rider who were getting them like just anything, just, I just boost, you know, I, I throw all these guys in and I gained the points I needed in saves. I, I didn't get the offensive points I needed, but still it's just, it's, it's there. It's there for you. If you're not the type to, you know, invest a lot in uh closers at the draft as well, or you just have like a big injury, like Rosenthal to, a, you know, a lot of uh drafters, oh, yeah. you know, just you're going to have those closers up at the top that you made your one or even your two. And, and, and they're not going to like Jordan Hicks. I know who was heavily invested by a lot, including uh, myself, yeah. <laughs> but I'm not going to do that again, <laughs> but uh, yeah. 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 So let's get into some uh, league specific talk. I'll start off with the draft champions and I just want to know, like, what's your general approach to uh, a league that, you know, just straight draft and hold with no fab. Yes. Yeah, those, uh, to be honest, I have difficult, I don't play DCs too much. Um, but yeah, to me, I'm just looking for at bats. Uh, and and um, I know just guys that are going to be on the roster all year. <laughs> you can spot right. them. Right. Um, I know a common mistake I made too early on is you're looking for like minor league call-ups and, right. you know, younger guys. I mean, to me, that's, that's not the way to go in D.C. You're going to have a lot of dead roster spots for uh, <laughs> quite some time. Yep. Um, so to me, you just want guys that you think would be playing every day. You know, you want a, a, a volume of pitchers you could throw out there, middle relief guys. You just want to load up on volume, whether, you know, it's innings, at-bats, um, the old boring guys who play 155 games, those, those guys are elevated in DCs mm -hmm. versus like a, a 12 team OC. Um, yeah, you just want to me, you just want at bats, you want volume. Um, right. cause at the end of the year and some of those DCs, my entire bench is just red cross. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. I had, I was playing guys that, you know, were not even healthy. 
they were right. on the, you know on the IL. They're in my line. I had no options. So <laughs> I know it gets, it gets it gets crazy on weeks where you're like, oh my god, I can't believe I really have to do this. But you know, uh, that's just that's just the nature of the beast. But like you said, you know, it, it's it's wild. When I was getting ready to do like a little prospect pod um, on one of my pods, just like looking at some of the rookies to take, and you know, I just really got into the into the data and, and you know, like Spencer Torkerson was taken in every single draft champions league and he didn't play, you know, like, yeah. and now, and now Bobby Witt's going in the third, fourth round, you know, where you can't make fab, you know, it's just, it's, it's not the smartest play, obviously, you know, if he hits everyone will say, like, Oh, it was genius, but um, it's just not the smart play. No, you want, you want a guy like Miguel Brojas or something instead of like a, a <laughs> right. hot shot rookie, you know, or call up. You know, you want a guy that's going to be in there, you know, 150 games is going to give you stats, counting stats. Right. You know, I think those even those things usually... like even those things like, oh, this guy got great gloves. Right. Uh, like Rojas or like a Nick Ahmed, who's really horrible, shouldn't be in your lineup. But you know that, you know, like last couple of years, he, he's not coming out. You know, he, he, he's he's starting. And if you need that middle infielder later on, you take right, him. Right. Because when those suitcases do pile up, he all, all of a sudden he's your shortstop for, you know, six weeks. <laughs> Oh yeah, you can yeah. use it. Yeah, as long as yep. if you if you have healthy guys and are playing every day in like September in a DC, I mean you're golden. Like right. <laughs> there was a couple of them. I literally, I mean, I had no options. I was just starting, just terrible, terrible. Um, I'll I'll think about it in a minute or so, but just just dreadful options. And I'm like, oh, there's no way my team's competing and having to start. <laughs> Some of them I'd rather start guys ever hurt. That's how bad it was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at some point, you know, if uh, if it helps, if it helps your team, like um, there was weeks where, you know, I think I had, I think in draft champions, I last year, especially, I, I just love to get like, you know, two solid catchers. Um, and there was weeks where I, I kept, you know, um, the JTR missed, you know, four games, I kept them in there. You know, I didn't bring in Austin Romine, you know, right, right, like, nah, yeah. nah, he's, he's not going to do anything good for me anyway. You know, he's just going to drag my average down. There's something like those certain things you have to, I guess, kind of, you know, but that's also like team context too, right? You know, if you badly need runs, ribbies and homers, maybe you throw them in there just for the chance of some, but if you're, if you're good in those spots and you don't want to tank average, it might be just best to keep that injured player in there. And I think, too, it's, you know, when I'm doing these mains and OCs, it's it's hard to pay too much mind. Not that I don't to the DCs just because, you know, the stakes are so much higher on the mains. And, um, for instance, I had uh, David Fletcher in one of my DCs, um, which I didn't realize at the time. It was the only share I owned. He went through one of the worst slums I feel like I've ever seen. I, I don't know if you remember, recall. He was like 10 for like 160 or something. Right. And I had all of those at bat. <laughs> and, and stuff like that it's like you know obviously i was not paying close enough attention to, to how brutal he was and with all the different leagues i'm in it's like that's a guy that you know that could hurt you you know obviously if you have a guy and he was giving you no counting stats right this was like it was like the most dreadful slump you've ever seen <laughs> well that's here, funny that you yeah. mentioned like that you know how maybe you just not keeping an eye on those things right because either through leagues or just um you know just no other options, but there's times too where I have to pull myself back and, and, and say like, why, why am I, why am I still starting this guy? You know, you know, he's got the, uh, he's got the multi-position eligibility. So like, yeah, oh, he's, awesome. he's a great guy to have in one of these, you know, DCs and whatnot. He's sucked in every position he plays though. 
and then he got much. like hot like for you know three weeks oh, after yeah, that big yeah. slump you he know had that little run he started running out of nowhere yeah he had like no steals and then all of a sudden he was stealing like every again that he was on my bench i think by that time i don't even know but um yeah i couldn't believe how bad he was and for how long it was too and it's like oh and i and i had absorbed absorbed all those zero all those counts stats. yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, it's funny because uh, for me, like the greatest things about the draft champions is some, when some random like 42nd round pick gives you like even two good weeks, you know, for, like yeah. those, those stay in my head. Those picks will, will, will always resonate with me. That's why, you know, like those bottom picks, you know, still don't, don't speculate on minor league guys, you know, like just, you could still fill in with major league vets who, who might give you, uh, like I said, a start or even 12 at bats where he, right. you know, it was something worthwhile, you know, for you. Now, what did you find in, in your the year that you wanted? Was that just, was it more just, you, got, you had guys obviously that were hot at the end, but I'm sure they were pretty healthy roster up and down too, right? For you that year? Pretty much. Yeah. And, and honestly, it was, it, it was hitting late. Um, I, I, didn't draft a closer until like round 23 and that was Pagan. But then I got Presley and Matt Barnes. Like I made it in it. Like I made it, I made it a point to, you know, attack the, the next man up, you know, and then, and just a, a good arm in the bullpen um, and, and not go for early save guys. And it just happened to be that, you know, Matt Barnes and, and Ryan Presley stepped into closer spots and nice. my, yeah, you know, yeah. my team just took off and I was able to, you know, build through pitching and hitting. But even this year, like uh, I felt like um, my teams that, that did really well, it was just uh, had a ton of outfield depth to the point where, you know, I, I just, that's what I focused on in, in the draft. Just like you said, loading up on that bat veterans with jobs. And there was, there was lots of weeks where, you know, I was sitting like two teams where I had such great outfield depth that I was sitting guys like, you know, Michael Brantley and um, you know, Austin Hayes when he was hot. I just, I had so many positions to make. And I feel like that's when, you know, a lot of people are like, you know, there's, there's outfield depth, but, you know, make sure you get it, you know, like make sure you have it because it's huge, you know, and um, it's just finding that right balance, right. It's just, it's, it's, it's finding that stretch where you want to take bats and finding that, you know, spot where you could take pictures. I think that's the biggest thing. Like where, like you mentioned before, just knowing those pockets, right. Looking at the ADP and, and, and mapping out a way to say, um, you know, all right, this is where I'm going to get my third, fourth, fifth pitcher ish. And this is where I'm going to get all my bats. And, um, I think that's what I'm not afraid to do in the DCs is just load up on bats. And I feel like those later rounds, you know, take a stab. I, uh, the, the year I won was Corbin Burns. I had him like, I picked like 450, you know, oh, and then, and then even last year it was like Logan Webb. I had him on pretty much every DC, but the way that came about too, wasn't just like, I want Logan Webb was like I said, I knew there was like a range where I wanted to get like 70 pitchers straight was after I hit bats And um, after I knew that I said, okay, which, which pitchers are in this range? And then I took those pitches and I said, okay, which pitcher do I want out of this? And Logan Webb was just a guy that came up constantly. And it wasn't because I saw something crazy about him. He was just because it, he was in that pocket of pitchers that I was like, okay, this is where I like to get Logan Webb. This is where I want to get 
you know, Kyle Freeland or, you know, those, you just target right. those names. And then in that, like, and I was lucky enough to, you know, grab web and a lot of those drafts, but that just came out of that, that, that strategy it didn't come out of targeting him specifically, you know? Yeah. No, I hear that. Um, and I feel like a lot of players kind of use that similar approach. And, and I do too, to an extent too. I, I do like to key in on, on specific guys. I feel like every year, Mm-hmm. That, I, that I see kind of that inefficiency in the market on. Right. Um, and like last year, like I mentioned, Vlad, um, the other guy was Urias. Um, he was going way too late, I thought, like everywhere. Um, even Mains, you know, he was going in the eighth round in, in Mains. I'm like, it's a potential ace, right? Starting pitcher one here. Well, such um, a good the really, the, on, the only caveat was the innings. Everything else was there, right? Great team. Stuff is filthy um it was just the innings restriction and that people were scared off and um to me that was worth that gamble especially in that area of the draft where you know if the only concern is his innings if he does hit those innings you're staring at a potential ace and pretty much that's what he was right so no that's a that's a guy that i didn't have in any drafts um i was like you said i was a little concerned about the innings but he kind of fell into like that i guess that range where i just wasn't looking at pitches but yeah like like you said you that's looking back at it too and even even in it you know you, you kind of look at the adp and you're like well he could be a major major hit and he was he definitely paid off he you a lot so um let's talk about your main event teams i know you mentioned vlad as one of your biggest drivers was Arias was on both on um, on your main teams that did well yep. as well yep he was on on two of the three um it was vlad um i actually targeted a lot of the blue jays and okay. the mains um I just thought price-wise, um, they were values for the most part. Bo, I love Bichette. Um, he yep. wasn't really a value, but I just saw, thought he was such a safe pick, yep. like in round two. Um, yeah, that whole offense to me was just, you know, and I was t- telling uh, Zach this, I'm like, I don't really stack in baseball. That's not really a thing, right? It's more of a hey. football uh, yeah, term, yeah. but – uh, yeah, to me, that lineup just looked loaded. Teoscar, I had a bunch of as well. That was another guy that was going way too, way too late. Absolutely. Um, so I just yeah. saw, yeah, I just saw, saw those guys. I'm like, I'm way higher on these guys than everybody else, apparently. So I'm just going to take them. And then it worked out. So, right. That's awesome. Then, uh, yeah, good. Now, then the pitching too. So I was, I'm usually an early pitching guy. Um, I heard you say that on Zach. You were kind of like the, you know, big into the pocket aces thing. Yeah, yeah I mean, I was doing that. You know, I've been doing that for years. Um, if it wasn't first and second, you know, first and third, somewhere right. around there, just getting two of those horses early if I could. Um, especially in the 12-teamers, I just thought you're able to build such a monster early with early mm-hmm. pitching. Um, just because the bats, you know, you could get huge bats in a 12 team or more than you could, you know, much easier than you could in a 15 team draft. So uh, to build that elite monster, huge upside team, I thought that was the way to go. And I still think that's the way to go. Um, uh, so, yeah, I was on DeGrom Bauer last year. It was funny. The, the OC that came in fourth, I had uh, DeGrom and Bauer on that team. Wow. And the only thing that kept me from winning the whole thing was my ratios. Oh, man. So if I had another, you know, whatever hundred innings 
maybe more from those two. I mean, definitely would have been up there fighting for that title, but didn't happen. Oh, man, <laughs> yeah, those that's, that's that's two huge guys to lose, you know. Um, and my gosh. third pick was uh, Luis Robert. So my first three wow. picks and in the OC that finished fourth overall, I barely got anything. You know, I got a lot from the pitching, obviously half a season or whatever. But right, yeah, Luis Robert gave me like what a month, month wow. and a half. And <laughs> yeah, wow. So it's just it's just it's just hitting on the rest of your draft too, and 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 persistent dabbing. But that's that's something else because the Grom was on his way to just oh. a historical season, you know. Yeah, yeah just, and I'm a Mets fan too. So me that too. was dub, yeah. doubly yeah, okay. Yeah. So that was doubly painful. Just you know, here I have this monster team. I got Jake as my ace. I'm mm. flying high. The Mets are in first. <laughs> I'm like so yes. high five in every day. I'm like, <laughs> I'm the man. This is amazing. And yeah. then the Mets turned into the Mets. Jake was leaving after or every start he was in, and uh, all downhill after that. So <laughs> While we have him on the, on our mind, how are you approaching him this year? Like if so, you were yeah, draft I, I now, saw, I know obviously it's going to get closer to season, but like let's just say if you were drafting right now. Yeah, and I saw his ADP in the DCs was like 26, 27. I mean, that's – to me, that's that's a guy that's going to the first round again come March. If he's throwing 99 in spring training, mowing down guys, right. he's going to be a first-round pick. Right. I heard people say yeah. like they needed to see him come back to be, you know, like white. So like three innings of him throwing gas at the end yeah. of the year would help you, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't get that concept um, to me. Yeah. Like in spring training, as soon as he starts pitching and he's back in it, I'm ah. going to right back. Yeah. In re- recency bias is, is a thing. You know, people mm. see that on the mound. And, and to me, even if he, you know, throws 140, 150 innings. I mean, that's still with his, you know, ratio. I mean, that's, that's worth the first round pick to me. Um, right. He came close and, to first round value this year. And I mean, if, if not, it's only just, just, just off of what he did, it's, it's that, yeah. that's how good he was doing. <laughs> and if, you know, if you could get 180 innings, I mean, then you're talking, obviously could be first overall value right, right there. So to me, right. where he's going now is, is ludicrous. You're going to, he's going to, you know, barring some something unforeseen, if he's healthy and pitching in the spring, he's going to be back in the first round. Right. I absolutely yeah. agree with that. 100%. Um, and should be. And should, should be. be right. Yeah. 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 He's, he's, he's that much better than, you know, I think the rest of the pack, including Garrett Cole. Uh, I'm not taking yeah. Zach Wheeler over Jake DeGrom. I'm telling you that right now. No. No, <laughs> oh, he's he's you know he's, he's good. Great. Obviously, I'm bitter a little bit there, but right, you know, I'm happy to see him do well. I actually like Zach a lot. I was pissed they didn't uh, resign him, but that was a stupid I, non-resign, man. Like, yeah, I know people want to give Met organization a whole bunch of shit, but that was one firm thing where they, you know, a lot of the stuff I feel like it, it just falls in, like, oh, that's the Mets, but that was just a bad decision. Yeah. Right from the start, you know, he came back, he, he, he worked his way through, he, he was throwing well, uh, it's just, you know. And he got, well, he got like 115, 120, something like that. I mean, it's, it's a huge, that's a value right there. Huge, right. When you consider Cole got what, 340 million, he got about a third of his money. And right. Yeah. So, right. yeah. And, and he throws innings, you know, that can't be you know, understated in this climate, you know what I mean? You're getting innings out, out of a pitcher. I mean, that that's big right there. 
you know? right that's huge i know that was the uh, a lot of the argument in the in the cy young um with burns was the the extra innings he pitched uh that you know that he had like a five era and that actually like he takes it away yes. and had the same era but you're basically knocking him for throwing more like 50 more innings than corbin burns which is pretty nuts but you know i get it burns had the wow games and stuff like that with the 15 strikeouts but you know will or like you said man those innings are just awesome Two, you know 200 yeah, I'm looking plus. At, since 2018 he's got 182 195 71 within the shortened season which is the full the full season and then 213 last year huge i mean this guy it's it's huge that's he's a horse it's a horse right there so yeah philly's uh that's yeah, it would have been nice as a number two behind Jake. And there's some like uh, I I saw the pitching ninja put something up about their like uh the wind up and everything and like it looks so so yeah, the same, right? You saw that right and there. and then nice he had the yeah. yeah, yep. And then he had the interview with Wheeler too, where he you know he gave so much credit to Hagram and just being able to watch him every day. He said, you know, I wasn't doing anything else during his bullpen, but watching him, you know, like you just watch greatness yeah. you know, and you learn from it. <laughs> Simple as that, you know? But yeah. I mean, I, I, I liked, but even I, I didn't see this ceiling and, um, but good for him. Yeah. It's, it's right. Too just wish he wasn't on the Phillies. Phillies. I know. <laughs> I know, man. I know. I got, I got buddies in Philly. They're always texting uh, after one of his gems, like, Right. Great wheeler star, appreciate it. I'm like, oh, geez, I don't want to hear from you guys. <laughs> oh man, that's uh, all right. Let's move on from the Mets and the Phillies. Enough with that. But um, okay. So when it comes to you drafting, um, I know some 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 drafters will be hesitant to you know draft like either uh, a strictly steel guy or a strictly power guy um so how do you approach that balance are you trying to you know grab guys that do a little bit of each are you not scared to run into just a strictly power guy or um you know those 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 jared dyson steel types um you know how do you like to put it together yeah yeah i try to stay away from the the dysons um the rabbits, you know, that don't really, I mean, to me, you can't really play those guys. Right. I mean, right. they hurt you more than they help you. And most times you can't even time the steals either. So good point. Uh, right. But yeah, I mean, I, I just try to draft for balance. Um, you know, I'm not really taking any outfielders early, even that don't have any speed or I try to avoid that if yep. I can. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that I, I won't take like a huge slugger if, um, if I already had speed built in, obviously, you know, it's just, again, balancing your, your categories. Um, a guy like, uh, Rosarina too, I saw he was going early in like the late fifties in the DCs, which I think is great value for, you know, he's a 2020 guy is, I think he hit 275 from the round next. So he's not going to hurt you in average. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of the few rays that actually plays every day. Um, so to me, he seems underpriced in that range. I think he's, he's a solid, you know, outfielder two, one or two, even mm-hmm. right. because you can undervalue those 20 steals. Um, I know he, he kind of fell off in the second half a little bit this year. I owned him also. I was a little, you know, I wasn't disappointed, but you thought you were getting possibly a 30, 30, 25, 30 guy. And you know, he didn't run nearly as much as, as I thought he could. Having said that, he saw under the year of 20 steals. You're going to take that every time. So absolutely. Right. But yeah, right. I don't mind a guy like that. Again, 2020, uh, 270 and just kind of 
you can find that power later to supplement, you know, um, the corner, the corner infielders and whatnot will give you that power. But yeah, I think in today's climate though, you have to be conscious of the speed and you can't, you can't sleep on it at all in these drafts. Cause otherwise you are, you're looking for the, the Dysons of the world. <laughs> yeah. I know. Uh, you don't want to be targeting those guys if you can help it. So yeah, I just like building that base of speed and power throughout. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I don't really come out of my drafts huge in one category or the other, but it's enough where I can contend, I think, in those like, categories. Got it. And then I'll just supplement throughout the wire if I need to uh, during the year. Nice. Yeah, that's just uh, the speed game is, is definitely huge um, without trying to sacrifice the rest of everything else. I, I'm in a, a draft champion right now, and I, and I have the four pick, and uh, – I picked Bichette and then uh, Marte came back to me and I doubled up on that. Oh, yeah. And, and I was like, Oh, it feels so nice to have to not really worry about average and stolen bases that much, you know, when you yeah. start off like that. Um, it's, it's, it's an interesting flow right now to the draft champion. This is uh, this interesting pocket that are happening, but we'll get to that um, at the end. We'll hit that real quick. I want to finish talking about um, your teams. Um, so let's move to the OCs. Uh, you had four teams, um, three, in the top 51 which is fascinating and no 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 your your even your fourth team was 173 overall um which is which is awesome i i wanted to know what's the biggest difference because you mentioned it before about knowing you know the impact of pitchers in a 12 team league um how do you how do you differentiate the value of, of of players in 12 teams and 15 team leagues yeah, so it's just at the replacement value is so much better in, in the twelve teamers. I mean, it's it's one of those things where I talked about this before too. It, the big difference between twelve and fifteens to me, you need to draft a winner in the fifteen teamers. I feel like because mm-hmm. um, it's so hard. There's there's it's so barren on the waiver wire throughout the year that if you don't draft that winner at the table you're going to find it very difficult to, to contend in the league. Um, sure, you could add pieces here and there, uh, you know, throughout the wire and throughout the year. But uh, I found, at least in my, in my experiences, where if I don't draft a strong, uh, strong team at the table in a 15-teamer, I'm going to have a tough time competing there. Right. Whereas the 12-teamers, you know, you don't have to come out of the draft with a monster. It's nice, don't get me wrong. But there's just, you know, there's just much more ways. There's more paths to competing in a 12-teamer. There's more options out there. Um, you know, there is just the, the flexibility is so much more in a 12-teamer where you're able to kind of miss here and there a lot more than you would be in a 15-teamer, if that makes sense. No, it does make sense. It's, it's, it's one thing I struggled with. I got into – I did one OC this year, and um, I – I never knew when to a cut bait with a player uh, like I kept Ian Happ around for too long in his slumps because yeah. I was in 15 team mode where it's like, well, he could, you know, he's still maybe right. worth a bench spot, you know, but in 12 teamers, I, I, I just, even with the fabbing, you know, it just turned like, uh, I just had trouble, I guess, picking through better options than 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 worst options in 15 <laughs> i don't know if that yeah. makes any sense it was just no, that makes sense. yeah yeah absolutely. just i couldn't do it you know like I, I struggled with it i got off to a great start i was like even in the top 20 overall at one point and then it just went south and uh i don't know i i don't know like i 
what I did that was wrong. I've been trying to look at it and dissecting it. And, and, but the more I look at it, the more I either get frustrated at the result or, or, or couldn't pin like what really went wrong. And uh, I just, but it, but I do know it's something uh, I have to spend a little more time on in the off season. Yeah. I think 15 too, if you're like, you mentioned Ian Hap, if you're getting a guy that's getting every day at bats, you know, it's much tougher to, to let go of that guy. Right. Versus a 12 teamer you just turn in and burning way more frequently, but like right. in the main, if you have a guy in outfielder even that's getting every day at bats, I mean, that's valuable right there. Right. I mean, you'll see at the end or, you know, teams will be starting, you know, a, a platoon player out there just because there's nothing out there on a the wire. Right. So naturally you're going to want to hold on to the Ian Haps of the world longer, you know, when the replacement value is just, you know, a lefty platoon or something. You know? Right. Um, yeah. Yep. But in the 12 teamers, you know, you have guys just sitting there on, on the wires that are not, if not equal, better than the player that you're starting. So it's just easier to, to, to churn those, those rosters than you would in a 15 teamer. Right. Absolutely. I think one thing I, I, I did this in this draft, um, I mean, in my OC, I had Kenley Jansen. Um, and then I picked up quickly um, Alex Reyes in week one and Class A. Um, and they were oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and paying up, like you said, <laughs> paying up for them early, um, you know, both were well over a hundred bucks. Um, and then there was even a spot too, where like I, I picked up Trevino um, because at a low cost when he got the job kind of, and uh, I used him to like, just while he had the job to just really boost up save. But then, then there was a point where I needed to throw in more starters and I didn't know if I should like cut them, you know, I didn't know if I should cut a guy like uh, Reyes or, you know, I know his skills were getting a little risky, but I'm like, should I put these saves back out into the league or is it good to have them on my bench and Kate Jansen or anyone, you know? Um, and that was something that, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to determine if that hurt me by keeping them on my bench or, you know, even if, cause they weren't playing, you know, but then I was caught, then I was playing the game of, all right, who had the better chance of getting saves this week? And I'm like, should I have these guys on my bench? You know, it, it was something that bothered me for that stretch. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough too. Cause you know, you know, you, you want to give the guy a decent leash, but at the same time, if he's hurting you in, in your lineup, like, you know, you kind of got to make, I, you know, I see owners hang on too long to guys, uh, especially in, in the 12 teamers where, you know, they should have been cut, you know, two, three weeks ago. And they're just right. letting them sit in their lineup, bring them on the bench. Um, so to me, the 12 teamers, you just got to keep turning that, that roster, um, yeah. especially for those weekend ABs too. You want, you don't want to be starring a guy that's only playing one game. If you could help it, obviously you want to get a guy in there playing all three. Um, even in double headers, you see that a lot of times, you know, you see the, the Monday through Thursday slate slate. So I'll try to manage that. If I'm only getting two games from a guy, I'll sit them right. Mm -hmm. I get four from another guy and I'll play right. in the two game guy and try to maximize those at bats as much as possible. Yeah. That's really big. That's, that's really a big learning curve, you know? And I think that was one thing that the NFBC, you know, had to really adjust that quickly, uh, especially in like first main event league I played in the short season. You know, I had Phil, Rob Silver, and Mark 
Rebo in my league. And, you know, I was just like, why are they dropping this guy that they drafted, you know, and, 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 and picking up this, you know, this random $1 corner infield, you know, and then, you yeah, know, you see, and then, and then even, you know, just, just looking at starting lineups, you know, and realizing, oh man, he's the benching Manny Machado for those two games over, you know, for this guy with four games. And it's like, this is interesting, you know, it's like, what am I doing wrong? You know, <laughs> but it's, but, again, yeah. those are little things you pick up as you play, as you learn and, and, and try to, to, you know, try to incorporate into your game. Sure. That, that can backfire also, which I talked to Zach on his pod about. So yeah, definitely. Well, <laughs> the Vlad Guerrero. So I did that. It was early on. It was in April. So this was pre breakout Vlad, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were playing at the Nationals, right? And it was a two game slate. And one of them was against Scherzer. So I'm like, all right, this makes sense. I think I had, I don't know, Yuli Gurriel or maybe it was even a, another corner playing four games. I'm like, all right, Vlad hasn't shown much. The previous week, he hit like 170, no counting stats, whatever. Bench Vlad, threw in Gurriel. Vlad in those two games had like three homers, eight RBIs, <laughs> like five or six runs. I mean, it, my heart was just dropping. Every time I, I was looking at the box score or the ticker or I see a Vlad highlight, meanwhile, he, Gurriel's just walking every time he gets up at bat, but <laughs> never uh, again for Vlad. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, you know, it can backfire on you, but more often than not, volume is key in these things and counting stats. You want to maximize those at bats as much right. as you can. Right. Absolutely. And I never benched Vlad after that. So yeah. That, that yeah. No, yeah. That was <laughs> big, he could big have a big one game, a one game slate out, uh, for a week. You just stand in my lineup. <laughs> uh definitely ends up with being a good call i mean he's he's he was fascinating last year you know for uh, sure um since we have I him up he, yeah yeah since we have be... him up and we're talking about um i want to talk about adp real quick to end the show um uh he's going sixth overall right now you are you back in on vlad probably not no yeah yeah it's a little too high for you. <laughs> gotta find the next vlad right yeah exactly it's all about finding yeah Vlad, that Vlad in round four or five again, not at six overall. I just, it's hard for me taking a guy as much as I love Vlad, if he's not going to really give you much steals at that early of a pick. Right. He's the Um, only guy in that, the only bat in that first round that's really not giving much of that. Yeah. And you can't imagine, I mean, he's going to duplicate what he did last year. I'm I'm sure, you know, he'll still still be great, great average, a lot of power. Uh, but yeah, if you're not going to give me any steal and base, I mean, he's going to give you five steals max. I mean, that I can't go number six overall there. Nah. Right. I know you haven't done any draft yet, but I, want, I, I was wondering if you, you know, took a peek at ADP and like anything like really caught your eye, like any specific players or position maybe. Yeah, I did. Uh, well, we mentioned the Grom. I think was he going like 26, 27. That's the guy that's going to go up a lot. I think, mm-hmm. um, uh, a couple other guys I was looking at too was uh, Kelnick. I think he was going super late, and, that, and that's those are that's the profile. And mm-hmm. That's exactly the kind of guy which I'm probably shouldn't even say really, but a guy a high pedigree um, that struggles mightily his first his first time up, and you see he's going what 140 or something in these drafts. Yeah, he's I mean, got um in draft in six draft champions got an average of one thirty two. Yeah, yeah, low one twenty one and as deep as one forty four. I mean, you're talking around 10, 11, and fifteen teamer. I mean, that's a guy I I could see myself jumping around or two even just because that profile 
I mean, that's what you want. You want that speed. You want that power. You want that, 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 that pedigree, you know, that, that top prospect who's, uh, again, recency bias. People are down on him. He was terrible. He was on my, my first main. I couldn't believe how bad he was for that stretch. But a lot of these guys, it takes some time, you know? I mean, yeah, uh, it would not shock me at all if, if he's, you know, one of these amazing values come like June or July and he's, you know, a top 10 outfielder or something. Absolutely. And he's and, going and, third cheap. <laughs> yeah, he's going uh, like 40 picks after wit, you know? So you have a guy who's already seen major league action, you know, he, even though he maybe struggled a little bit, you know? Uh, and it's funny because last year me and Zach had a side bet because he was all in on Kelnick. And again, I was, you know, it's for draft champions. And I was like, yeah, yeah I, I'd like, I'd rather have a guy like Justin Turner. And we made like a bet on who would have like, yep. you know, a better profitable season and he's like oh i gotta learn how to not put my chips in but um so in this draft champions i'm in right now um kelnick was uh was picking at 152 and oh, yeah. that was that was that was again i was looking at the max he, he was like wow so he went 144 was his latest so i picked him you know and i was like i this is a good spot this is the spot where i'm oh. definitely gonna take him you know and he kind of like got me back into the steals you know after taking a couple of, you know, offensive guys that were more, you know, power driven, um, got back into the steel route with him. But I agree with you. I think that's a great spot. I think um, I just had Frank Stample for CBS on the show and he said the same thing. He that was one guy that he said the same thing about. Like, uh, I think yeah. that spot is, a, you know, a spot, a perfect spot for him right now. Yeah. And, and like I said, that profile, I mean, that's that's what you want. That price is just perfect. I mean. I mean, that's where you try to find those, those edges in these drafts. And I mean, if you hit on him, if you jump him around, round and a half, you're still paying, what, eighth, ninth round price tag on right. a guy that has that could be a top 15 outfielder. I don't think that would shock anyone. Maybe it would. Um, but these guys, yeah. I mean, these guys struggle a lot, you know, when they're, they're young. It takes some seasoning, it takes some getting used to. And then next thing you know, they're like, you know, not everybody is Juan Soto and smashing, right? The, the second right. he gets up. Right. The majority Absolutely. of them struggle. So, yeah, Absolutely. that's a guy I'll be targeting for sure. Nice. But I, I think he's going to rise too. I mean, that, you know, we're talking about November DCs. I don't know. Uh, I, I see that price going up. <laughs> right. No. Uh, yeah. It, it, it probably will. It probably will. It's just, um, it's interesting too, like seeing the, the whole, like, you know, where, where Bellinger and Yelich, like those type of players are going like in the hundreds. And it's just yeah. like, Oh man. <laughs> Cause you know, when it comes to your pickup, yeah, you're like, Oh, and 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 you keep looking at the profile and you keep looking at you know everything about them you're like oh my god do i go down this route again you know because <laughs> yeah, I, I mean that's i mean to be honest that's where the money is made i feel like it's it's finding those bounce back candidates at these depressed prices mm -hmm. and if you're willing to take that risk you know even around ahead of where they're going like a bellinger he's what he's going like in the 80s i think now i mean I mean, he could make some corrections if he's, you know, he wasn't healthy for a lot of the year. It's like, would it shock you if he hit 40 homers this year? He's going right ahead of Bobby Wood. Was that? He's going right next to Bobby Wood Jr. Yeah, I mean, it's. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're thing. saying. So, yeah, right. I'm always looking for these bounce back guys that are undervalued, that have shown that huge season, you know, right. that, that sample. Because mm -hmm. um, if they get back to that to that form, you're sitting on monster teams. Right. You know, 
getting I, them at just huge discounts. Yeah, and at spots where they don't have to be your, you know, your third, fourth best hitter. You know, they, exactly. Yeah, like they're just they're just gravy. If if everybody else hit and they come back to life, then it's then it's then it's yeah. even better. You know, especially if they're, if they're on the younger side too. Like these are young guys. I mean, right. I mean, we're not talking about declining older veterans here. I mean, it won't take much, I don't think, for these guys to bounce back. But, again, people are down. I mean, Bellinger was was so bad last year. So, it doesn't surprise me that's where he's going. But, I mean, that's definitely a guy I'll I'll be looking at closer. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Awesome, man. All right. So, I have two parting questions for you before I let you out of here. I know you got to go. But tell me what part of the game, of your game, do you feel like you want to improve on? You know, it's funny because that question, that's where I caught some heat from the from the baseball, the fantasy uh, baseball community, because Zach asked me a similar question. Uh, and I and my answer was, well, you know, I don't know what I really could prove upon because I like smash every league I was in. Last year. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he was just like he was kind of dumbfounded. It was silent. It was like crickets once I said that. Uh, but part of it, part of that, it's the truth. I mean, I have, I have a process I believe in and it's, it's served me well over the years. Um, I know some people, uh, think, I don't know. I've heard a couple of people thought last year was fluky, but you know, I've been winning every year pretty much in this, in this tournament. So I don't know how much fluke there is in that. Um, I, I just, I have a process that I believe in, uh, and it's something that I try to do every year and I've had success doing it. So I think uh, I won't change my process per se, but maybe, you know, um, maybe different um, pieces within that process. I can maybe explore different ways of analyzing different players and and whatnot. But as far as my my process of of how I go about drafting and waiver wire and everything that kind of is encompassed in fantasy, I mean, Guilds, yeah. you're gonna get you're gonna see the same guilds every year. So. Yeah, your core process is staying true to yourself. No, yeah, that that's great. I don't think there's nothing wrong with that answer because you know what? So uh, maybe you tweak yourself out of something you do well, and you're like, shit, why did I do that? You know, so you yeah. know you got something that's working for you. Like you said, it's evident in the standings. If anyone wants to take a look, it's not just last year, right? You know, it's just part of my process of, of going through and getting guests on the show is going back and looking what's great thing about the NFC is looking at the historical standings and you can very well see who's, who's not doing well and who's doing well. So uh, I think that's, that's very important that you yeah. are, are sticking to your guns. Yeah. And, and I think too, which I also said too, I like to kind of own my wins and my losses, right? I don't want to, I don't, I try, I try to eliminate the noise, you know, if I can, uh, you know, whether it's player perceptions or opinions on players, I just kind of want to, you know, make that, make that decision on my own and own that. And it's not to say I don't listen to other podcasts. I've listened to your, you know, a bunch of guys, Toby, Sporer. I'm always kind of, I'm like a sponge just trying to get information, but end of the day, I want to be the one making my own decisions, uh, whether it comes to to players and whatnot. So. Absolutely. It makes total sense. Yeah. When I went to New York this year for the main event, and uh, something that Pat, Pat Modica told me, um, you know, he's like, you can listen to all these people, you can listen to me, he's like, but you you get better and you and you hit your peak when you make it and when you when everything comes from within and everything yeah, comes from you, yeah. you know. And yeah. and I remember like, wow, yeah, that, that makes total sense because your process is your process, and like you said, you could listen to podcasts, you could read article, but that you know that stuff should just you know ha- like aid you toward you you know where you you know 
what right. you're going to yep. do. You know, it's just, exactly. it's just, uh, you know, and thing that shouldn't manipulate how you think uh, for a specific player. No one, no one player dive by anybody should really influence uh, your thoughts on a player. That's the way I feel, you know, you can't get yeah. switched that easily because no. you, act, you know, because then you're going to fall for everything else in life. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I don't want to be swayed. And, and I agree. I mean, that's, once you start just taking ownership and, and, and just, you know, making the right choice for, for your own team and, and your own thought process, that's kind of when I, you know, I think you could take off as a player. So. Right. Right. Absolutely. So I guess that's part of my next question. Maybe you kind of answered it, but you, you know, uh, why will you continue to be a force? And I guess the part of your answer kind of, uh, you know, encompasses that, but is there anything else? Why, you know, why, why you will continue to be a force in the NFBC and fantasy world? Yeah. I, I just think it's, you know, it's a combination. You know, I put the time in to uh, do a lot of research, you know, it's mm-hmm. not like I'm just, going out there drafting teams on a whim or whatever, you know, I'm very meticulous in my research. You know, I listen to a lot of people, you know, obviously for the analytics side of things and, and just try to gain, gain as much information as I can. Um, I'm doing research, you know, minor, minor league players, call-ups, mm-hmm. you know, I'm pretty, you know, tuned in. I feel like once I start drafting and that's why I'm not even entertaining these November DCs because I'm not even, I'm in football mode right now, but yeah, uh, that's right. But you yeah, play both. I think, I think it's a combination of just having that, that knowledge uh, of the player pool and, and then just also the, the skill, the drafting. There's a skill in drafting, I feel like, too, that not everyone has and just mm-hmm. that comfort level inside a draft room. Um, I think all those kind of pieces together, you know, I feel like kind of make me pretty competitive on a yearly basis. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's a, that's exactly what you said, like time, putting in the time and being, being really, you know, meticulous, like you said about, about what, you know, what you're bringing in, like, you know, uh, there's so much out there, you know, but got to limit it at some point, some things that you'll read or take in, is just going to be too much. Right. What? I mean, that's what I feel like you could get a lot. But there's a point where it's just like, all right, are you going overboard? You know, that's why uh, I feel the same way with like um, certain statistics and metrics that people, you know, like to throw out on Twitter. It's like this guy did this, 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 on this, this, and that. I'm like, what is that? Why are you spending yeah. time on, on, on? You know, what his average on curveballs is that are below the third quadrant of the of the left right, hand? Yeah, yeah. Like that, 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 that doesn't mean anything, you know. I think because, sometimes yeah, guys get too deep into the analytics. I mean, I, I get it, um, but yeah, knowing the analytics and then being able to apply them in a draft room and right. you know. And getting that value, being able to spot and draft value and know the draft room, know your competitors. I mean, it, it takes a lot. It's not just knowing the analytics. There's not many guys that can do both. You're, you're one of them, I feel like, mm-hmm. um, that can apply it and then draft well and do all the other stuff. So, yeah, it takes a lot to be a good fantasy player. So, yeah, it's right. just not one, one niche. Right. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Awesome, man. So I had a lot of fun. That was a great conversation. I think people are going to get a lot from this. Um, of course, you are doing, you know, really well. And I know you're really busy with football right now, too. So hope you, uh, you yeah. kick ass in that as well before you get back into the uh, baseball game. But for anyone who wants to, um, you know, be very entertained on Twitter, why don't, you, why don't they tell you where they can find you on Twitter? So I'm yeah, at the Guild. That's the underscore G-I-L-D-Z. 
Uh, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm an acquired taste. You know, uh, I'm okay with that. And if you are as well, give me a follow. And that's it. Hey, Rob, I appreciate you having me on. Fellow yeah, Jersey man. guys, I'm, I'm a fan of yours and uh, keep up the great work, all right? All right, thank you, man. I know I know. last year, uh, you know, you you reached out and you said, hey, you know, you missed one guy. You missed me. And I said, shit, you're right. I got to, you're going to be one of the first ones I get on next year. So I'm hearing all these guests, I'm like, I hope, I hope yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm sorry, I totally missed you. But, you know, I, I kept my promise of getting you on as one of the first guests this year. So um, I appreciate um, it. yeah, 100%. And uh, yeah, we're going to have to get together soon in uh absolutely yeah in real life rather than uh through zoom and uh and watch our mets uh do something there good you this go. year all right man awesome. thank you so much andrew have a good I day i appreciate man. it rob have a all good right. one you too all right all right folks once again thank you for tuning in to another episode of the poor hater podcast your support for the show is truly truly appreciated thank you so much for continuing to listen um it's the main driver for me to keep doing them so once again Thank you all who have reached out through DM or who have given a great review on Apple Podcast um, or wherever you can leave a rating or review. Again, that's truly, truly welcomed and truly appreciative. So um, get out and do something good this weekend. Be kind to someone. You know, um, good thoughts. The full moon is booming today and yesterday. So um, it's uh, time for drastic emotional changes to yourself if you're feeling it. And if you feel like you don't have anything nice to say to someone, just write it down and don't say it. Just just move on with your day, right? Um, stop 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 beefing with people. Enough is enough. Uh, let's come together. Let's be cool, right? Don't be bags of shit. Simple as that. Peace.